Okay, today the passage is uh, Hebrews 10, verses 1 to 10. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said the above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in the sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that we will have and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Again, once more, it's beautiful to be in the house of the Lord in unity. And before we come to his word, I would like to open with a word of prayer. Amen. Lord, we come this morning giving you thanks for your word. You gave it for our edification. You gave it for our correction. You gave it for our training in righteousness. You gave it to understand the way of salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. By your spirit. May your word do all these things by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The letter to the Hebrews is entirely, entirely about the superiority and greatness of Christ. We have, been, we have been reading since the beginning that there is nobody like Jesus. Jesus is superior to the angels. Jesus is superior to Moses. Jesus is superior to Aaron, to the high priest, is superior to the tabernacle, and is superior to the sacrifices. So as we come to our passage this morning, there is nothing new. The Holy Spirit wants to tell us. Instead, the Holy Spirit has taken two chapters, chapter 8 to chapter 10, to underline the same message. What Jesus, what the Lord Jesus Christ has done is infinitely superior to the old covenant. 
infinitely superior to the priesthood and infinitely superior to the sacrifices. So that the original readers were thinking to go back and he is telling them why you want to go back to all things. Now, maybe you think this comparison between the old sacrifices and the sacrifice of Christ has become a little bit repetitive. And I completely understand your predicament because I have been reading the same thing and I have been presenting the same thing every five to six Sundays. I understand what you are experiencing, but perhaps... You came today expecting to learn from the Bible how to live a, a better life or, or how, to, how to deal with your daily problems or, problems or maybe looking for some advice on how to deal with your relationship, relationships with your spouses, with your kids, with your parents. And don't get me wrong. The Bible and this book is going to give answer to those things. But we must get rid of the idea that the Bible is about us. Have you seen, have you seen uh, the books, Where is Waldo? Right? It is about finding this funny, skinny little guy with a strange hat in the middle of thousands of people. And the whole book is about finding Waldo on different pages, pages of the book. I have often come to the Bible asking myself, where is Marvin? And maybe you too have been in the same place looking for yourself in the Bible. And if we are not careful, we can disregard the Word of God entirely because we don't find the Bible relevant enough to keep us interested. But the book of Hebrews, the book of this book, which is the Bible, guide us to ask the most important question at all. And that is, where is Jesus? Because the only way we can find ourselves in the pages of the Bible is when we find Jesus. If we never find Jesus in the Holy Scriptures, we will never find anything there for ourselves. So in these verses, we find the questions, we find the answer to the questions the Jewish Christians were asking. Oh, sorry. I think I skipped one page. Oh. Yes, he's in the back, page number three. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. That is what Hebrews is doing here. The first readers that were Jewish Christians, they had lost 
everything. Their religion, they have lost their culture, they have lost their temple, their rituals, the, 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 the ritual, the letter to the Hebrews here is pointing them to Jesus and not to the different things that they were surrounded. Think for a moment. This Jewish Christian had been around the Old Testament sacrificial system all their lives. Their national pride was in the temple, their traditions, and in keeping the commandments Moses had given them. How difficult must it have been for a child to tell their Jewish Christian parents, why are we not going to the temple anymore? Why are we not presenting sacrifices for the forgiveness of our sins anymore? Why do we not celebrate Passover with our friends or the Feast of Tabernacles? Those were difficult questions to answer, and therefore, the answer is given to them here in the verses that we just read. If you go with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 to 4, he's answered all these questions there. Verse 1 says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true forms of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. In these verses, we find we find the answer to the questions the Jewish Christians were asking. The first thing to notice in these verses is the word shadow. The ceremonial system under Moses, we just, he is telling them that those were just shadows of the real sacrifice to come. And therefore, those sacrifices were incapable of forgiveness of sin. I have a friend uh, in El Salvador who likes to, to take pictures. And during his beginnings as a photographer, he loved taking pictures or photos of shadows. It was a fascinating thing for him. When I look at, at trees, and, and their colors, he was taking pictures of the shadows of the, trees, of the trees. Or the shadows of the people. Or the shadows of animals. The shadows of things. But never taking pictures of the real things. Thankfully, one day, he realized that this picture of shadows 
had no financial future for him. So he decided to take picture of the real things. The old covenant sacrifices could not perfect, forgive, or reconcile to God because there, those were just shadows. And that's what we read in verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true forms of these realities, therefore they cannot clean or forgive sins. External rituals and ceremonies cannot bring you into communion with God. And that's why he explained in verse 2, otherwise would they, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, verse 2, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? They are still having consciousness of sins. So that, therefore, they are not receiving forgiveness. The point here is that the repetition of sacrifices shows that they did not bring about forgiveness. They were ceremonially clean. When, we come, when they come to the temple, yes, they were ceremonially clean. But after one year, they needed to come back and to offer sacrifices again and again, year, year after year. Have you wondered why God asked for sacrifices? Why sacrifices? Why sacrificing animals? And I know I have been repeating the same thing for almost one year now. But the answer is, it's pretty simple. Why sacrifices? Well, first, sacrifices keeps the minds of the people of Israel focused on the fact that God is holy, 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 and that he will not tolerate sin. And therefore, the sacrifices shows us how God would bring salvation and forgiveness. And how will God bring salvation and forgiveness? Using a sinless victim, victim to die on behalf of the transgressor and looking forward in faith, in faith to the time when the Redeemer should appear, when the real one should appear. The sacrifice reminds people God is so holy. And then someone needs to take my place because I am a transgressor. And Romans chapter 3.23 reminds us, all of us, the Old Testament people and to all of us here, we all have sinned and fallen short of God's standards. Therefore, our balance before God is in the red. Our, our account is in the negative numbers. We owe God. And there is no way. And there is no way we can pay for our debts unless 
we believe in the sinless victim who died on our behalf. Again, in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So, if animal sacrifices don't take away sins, if all our efforts are like filthy rags before God, then where do we find forgiveness? And then imagine the kids asking their parents, the Jewish kids in that little congregation, asking their parents, so if we're not going to go to the temple, if we're not going to sacrifice any more uh, uh, little lambs, where do we find the forgiveness that we are still in need of? And the answer comes in the following verses. If you go with me to verse 5 in Hebrews 10, start with this word, consequently. Consequently. I love this word. The word consequently makes the connection between verses 1 to 4, where we read that it is impossible to take away sins by our own efforts. Here the word consequently connects us to the solution to that problem. Consequently, if you keep reading with me, consequently, in verse 5, when Christ came into the world. Notice that the Holy Spirit knows the people he addresses in this letter. They are Jewish. And he's using the same scriptures they knew by heart concerning the Messiah. And here, this writer is using a quote of Psalms coming from David. Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8, written almost 10,000, no, 1,000 years before Jesus. But if you notice in this passage, when the writer of Hebrews quote these Psalms in Hebrews 10, 5, he does not say, and when David came into the world, he's not saying when David was saying this and this in the, in the Psalm 40, he's saying here, and when Christ came into the world. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he says, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not taken, you have taken no pleasure. And then, verse, the last verse says, then I said, then Jesus is saying here, behold, I have to come, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written of me in the scroll of the book. All Jewish people knew what a messianic passage was, 
And this was one of them. This passage was related to the moment in time when the Messiah, the awaited Messiah, would come and fulfill all the prophecies about him and about the restoration of the people of Israel. But even though they knew these scriptures, they were blind that they, they were blind that the fulfillment already happened in the person of Jesus. They miss Jesus in these scriptures. Where is Waldo? Where is Jesus in this passage? They were wondering what we are going to do. Shall we leave our tradition? Shall we leave the temple? Shall we leave the religion? And the writer is telling them, but don't you, haven't you read that the Messiah was saying, sacrifices, no, no more, no more rituals. Here I come to do your will. Hebrews here is putting Jesus at the center. The author of Hebrews says that it is Jesus talking in Psalm 40 and saying, all the ceremonies point to my sacrifice. And Jesus was saying, when I give my body as a sacrifice for all of you, I am fulfilling the will of God to save you and to save me. I have come to do your will. Remember when I said before the reasons why God established a sacrificial system? Well, number one, again, he's holy. He cannot get close to sin. And second, in God's will, one day, a sinless victim will die on behalf of the transgressor. That was Jesus. Yes, Jesus Christ was the innocent victim, the perfect sacrifice, and he took the penalty of death on behalf of the transgressors. It was God's will that Jesus would come to be the suffering servant. If you read Isaiah, you will find that word, the suffering servant. Isaiah 53 is talking about Jesus. And that's why we read in verse 7, Behold, I have come to do the will of God. As he's written of me in the scroll of the book. It was the will of God to send his son to die for our sins at Calvary. It was planned even before the foundation of the earth. But the will of God for Jesus did not start, did not start at Calvary. The will of God began from the moment Jesus became human. 
The will of God began from the moment he was born in that stable. The will of God began when he was obedient to his parents. The will of God began when he went to be baptized, when he chose, chose his disciples, and when he did all kinds of miracles all his life. All what he was doing all his life was the will of God. Jesus himself telling people about this says in John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven. That is Jesus saying, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And if you remember, just before Calvary, he prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. That was the will of God for Jesus. And then Jesus, in obedience, came to this world saying, Behold, I come to do your will, God. His obedience and willingness are the opposite of who we are. His, Jesus wholeheartedly obeyed his fathers. Obey his father. And that was the problem with the people in the Old Testament. And that is the problem with, with us nowadays. We just take care of the externals. We just take care of the appearances, the things that everybody sees. But we are not inclined to obey God from the heart. For us, it's impossible to say, Behold, I have come to do the will of God. We can't say that. And there lies our big problem. But God is telling them here in this passage, that is why I don't take pleasure in the externals. That is why God takes no delight in the routine of the ritual and sacrifices. But not Jesus. He came willingly to be the one will take the burden of our faults. He came to live the perfect life we could never achieve. Th don't you feel relief hearing this?
Nobody and even God is not asking you to do something that you are not. He's providing what you need to be what God wants you to be. But you don't need to be worried anymore. Appearances or trying to impress or trying to uh, accomplish or trying to feel. This is a statement from God. I'm sorry to give you the bad news, but no, he will not take pleasure in your sacrifices. You can make them. But he, will, he, he took the sacrifice of Christ and he is pleased forever. It's time to rest. Notice how ends our passage for today in Hebrews 10, verse 10. And by that will means the will of who? Of whom? The will of God. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And we can close the Bible right now and go to our home. No, eat burgers and rest. All the questions of these Jewish people. How we are going to get close to God? And then God is telling, no more. I don't want no more sacrifices. I take no pleasure in those things anymore. I take pleasure. This is my beloved son. When he was baptized, I take pleasure in him. Imagine that. By the will of God and through the willingness of the Son to be our perfect sacrifice, we have been sanctified. This Sanctified is a position. And therefore is as well a progress. Sanctify means that you were once in the darkness and now you have been transferred to the light. Before you were an enemy of God and now you are a son and daughter of God sanctified your sins are forgiven once for all what a rest Jesus came to give to our souls no more shadows no more religion no more externals we have been cleansed and forgiven. And our negative balance has been erased once for all. Remember when I said at the beginning, finding Jesus in the scriptures gives us everything 
we need and more. Remember that? Well, forgiveness is where everything starts. Thanks be to God, the Father, for sending the Son, the perfect sacrifice, to pay the penalties of our sins. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that this morning we will will completely trust in what you accomplished on the cross. That we will fully understand that there is no more to do in order to placate your wrath against sin. Jesus paid all. And we are here, Lord, this morning because through Jesus Christ we have been forgiven. We were sanctified once and for all. Our sins are forgiven. We can come clean before you every time. May your word, Lord, to be like a seal in our hearts, Lord. When times of trouble, when difficult circumstances, when we are not accepting who you made us, Lord, who we are, that we can put the, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect life of Jesus Christ to cover us and to walk in the forgiveness that we have received. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's stand.